Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue in our Sermon on the Mount series with Matthew 5, 33-37. Jesus continues to address misconceptions about the Old Testament law. He's already showed us that the same sin that produces murder lies in all our hearts as sinful anger, and that committing adultery stems from the same sinful lust that resides in all of our hearts. And that wrongful divorce, which they were in the habit of practicing, also amounted to adultery. So what's next? Jesus points back to Leviticus 19.12, where God said, Do not swear by my name falsely. Now, if we've learned anything in the last few weeks, we know that Jesus is pointing out that they are guilty of this, even though they didn't think that they were. We can also expect that this has something to say to us today as well. Our hearts are so deceptive that they tell us we aren't sinning even when we are. That's the lesson in Jeremiah 17:9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You might ask, why am I preaching? Well, because Pastor Jim made the mistake of preaching a shorter sermon that affords me the opportunity to do so, but I'll turn it over to him now. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Yes or No. Who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. That's what a true worshiper does. And if you're not willing to deal with the heart, the validity of your worship is highly suspect. Psalm 51, verse 6, also in a very specific context. This is after David had uh, committed adultery and lied about it and covered it up and made it a whole lot worse than it was, and it started out terrible. And then when he was confronted and he finally confessed, this is part of his confession, Behold, You desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Or Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, very similar to what we read in the earlier psalm. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands, that's symbolic of your actions, and a pure heart, that's symbolic of your motives who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, and who has not sworn deceitfully. And just one more, Zechariah 8, 16 and 17. These are the things which you should do. Speak the truth to one another. Judge with truth and judgment for peace in your gates. And let none of you devise evil in your heart against one another. And do not love perjury. That's just failing to live up to an oath. For all, thi- all these are what I hate, declares the Lord. Well, I told you it wasn't a real hard passage. Let's move on to the general principle. 
The letter of the law, you've heard the ancients were told, and then, but I say to you, the application of the law. Now a general principle in verse 37. He hasn't done this with all of these, but he does with this one. He says, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no, anything beyond these is of evil. What does that mean? Let your yes really mean yes. Let your no really mean no. Beyond these is of evil. What's he saying? He's saying that in normal conversation, the Pharisees just peppered it with a whole bunch of meaningless, flowery, spiritual-sounding language that had no import to them at all. They were just, just absurd how much they used oaths. And Jesus says in, in normal conversations, it's evil to spice up your speech by oaths. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Just like with anger, just like with adultery, just like with divorce, the same thing is meant here. The real solution has to be dealt with in your heart. It's the work of Christ in you. A bunch of hair-splitting distinctions of classifying oaths into that which is absolutely binding, not quite so binding, and not binding at all, that's just It's so silly, it's evil. Now, use some examples in 34 to 36. An oath by heaven has to be truthful and kept because isn't heaven God's throne? An oath by the earth has to be binding because the earth is God's footstool. An oath by Jerusalem is binding because it's the city of the great king. An oath by your head, apparently that's the meaning of, the meaning is, uh, if I don't keep my promise, may I lose my head and hence um, my life. Well, that's binding because ultimately God is in control of even the color of your hair or even if you can produce hair, some of us realize. So by swearing by your own head, is that's just as important as swearing by God Himself. It is binding. The ultimate issue is not what words you can say to get people to believe you. The ultimate issue is the spiritual condition of your heart. Truth has to reign supreme in your heart. And in normal conversation, just avoid oaths altogether. Yes means yes. No means no. All right, now a short side trip. I promised you this. What about a formal oath like in a court of law or in a legal affidavit? What if you've been called to jury duty? What if you've been called to testify? I was driving behind a car the other day that drove off the road, up the curb, into the hedge, swerved, zoomed back, accelerated across the road, back over the other curb, through the next hedge, and, and, and plowed a tree head on. I was the only witness. And I talked to the police officer. Would you be willing to testify? Well, yeah, I would. And, and if I did, I would say, I witnessed the car do this and this and this. I would not say, I promise you, by the gold in the temple in Jerusalem, that that jerked it. That's not how you talk. You say the truth. Now, it's not a problem for a Christian 
to take an oath like, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That just means, I promise to be me. That's what a Christian does. So, um, the standard of God's Word is complete truthfulness, so there's no problem with promising to be completely truthful. Also, realize Jesus did not prohibit all oaths. He rejected the Pharisees' perversion of the practice, but He didn't change any of those verses that He quoted. They are still absolutely true. Now, there are examples in the New Testament that verify that oaths are permissible. Remember when Jesus went through that mockery of a trial, and He'd been through the, the, um, uh, the, the well, He went through three phases with the Jews and three phases with the Romans. And remember in the midst of it, He, just, he, he wasn't answering And we come to this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 63. It says, but Jesus kept silent. And this is interesting. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. In other words, he put Jesus under oath. I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And then Jesus answered. He didn't answer all the cockamamie nonsense of trying to, when they were trying to come up with a, a, an accusation against him, but when it was, tell us the truth about your status, he answered, straightforward way. The Apostle Paul, in a, in a form, took an oath. Romans chapter 1, verse 9, he said, for God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Now, he's writing to the Romans. The Romans didn't know him. He hadn't been there yet. He was hoping to go there, and he wanted to let them know that he, he constantly prayed for them. He knew about the church there, and, and he knew about He even had plans to hope to partner with them in, in, in greater ministry for the spread of the gospel. So just pick out the parts of the sentence. God is my witness. That's, in essence, taking an oath. I'm saying by the name of God, I, I, I do pray for you unceasingly. He did the same thing in 2 Corinthians 1.23, the same thing in Galatians chapter 1, verse 20. Now, here's an interesting one. An angel took an oath. Now, why would an angel need to take an oath? Well, the obvious answer to that is, I don't know. I guess as opposed to a demon, which always tells a lie. But Revelation 10, 5 and 6, John is receiving this this avalanche of revelation about the end times. And we get to Revelation 10, 5 and 6, and he says, Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created the heaven and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, that there will be delay no longer. I don't know why, but I can tell you, obviously God doesn't prevent an oath. That, that angel put himself under oath. So, how are we going to summarize this and um, apply it properly to ourselves? Well, four times now, You've seen the same principle. God knows your heart. Your anger on the inside is not hidden to Him. It is 
wide open to Him. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.